as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most must-listen hockey podcast this side of the Mississippi River. It is the Top Pair Podcast, and I am your host. It is Eric Weinstein. With me, as always, my co-host, my partner in crime, the Bonnie to my Clyde, Nick Maxwell. What's up, guy? <laughs> Nothing much, Clyde. How, how have you been this past week? I'm good. I'm good. And in a good mood. It's been a good week of hockey, just a good week in general. Um, I hurt my wrist working out the other day, though. But other than that, things are pretty good. Um, another packed week, a lot of weird stuff. It's been like a weird week. Um, and we're going to get all to that. We're going to go over there. There was a coaching change. There was a very strange leave of absence, a couple milestones. But first, before we do that, you know what I have to do. We got to go through the housekeeping, where you can find us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. You can find us on the homepage of the A1 Sports Network. That's a1sportsnetwork.com. You can find them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at A1 Sports Network. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at top pair underscore pod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Eric Weinstein, two C's, two N's. Nick, wrap it up. Yep, you can find me. Uh, on Twitter at nmaxwell01 or on Instagram at nickjmaxwell. There it is. I had to look away from you because I would have started laughing in the middle of me going through everything. So I looked like like Bob McKenzie's on my team right uh, my TV right now. I'm just looking at Bob McKenzie while I go through that. Um, I mean, that's not a bad view. No, it's not. I mean, he's got a really nice. Bobby like, Margarita's always fun to look. At. He's got like a really nice like light purple tie on. I don't know what color that would be, but it looks nice. Mauve, mauve. A- anyway. Um, okay, so to start it off, um, our, it's Wednesday night, and normally we record on Tuesday night. And thank God we did not record yesterday. Because when I got to work this morning at the ripe hour of 9 a.m. and looked on Twitter, the Montreal Canadiens had fired their head coach. Claude Julien has been fired as of this morning. Uh, he and Kirk Muller were given the axe. I think I broke the news to Nick this morning when I sent the text. Um, I we a couple weeks ago had been singing the praises of the Montreal Canadiens. They were they came out of the gates hot. Um, I believe they just lost two in a row to Ottawa, and I guess it's things behind the scenes. I guess that we don't know about yet. But Nick, what was your reaction at the firing of Claude Julien? Yeah, you. You definitely were the one that broke the news to me. I hadn't even had my morning coffee yet. That's what I hadn't we do. Content. On my computer for work. Content, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, my first reaction, obviously, was shocked, I think, like anybody else. But you see, going back, looking at some of these comments through, like, Shea Weber and Brendan Gallagher, it looked like there needed to be something changed, right? It didn't seem like the mojo was right. It didn't really seem like, you know... It, it kind of felt almost inevitable. I mean, it seems like fans have been wanting to get rid of Julian for a little while now. Um, I think I was equally as surprised at Kirk Muller getting the axe. I think if you would have told me that if Julian was going to be fired, I would have assumed Kirk Muller would have taken over because he was the guy that led them in the bubble last year when they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. And for them to hand the reins over to Dominic Ducharme, who has some head coaching experience in the lower levels, um, he coached, you know, 
obviously Canada's World Junior team in 27 and 2018 winning a silver and gold medal. But this is like, I think this is like the last gasp for Mark Bergevin because if this move doesn't work out, I think he's going to be the next guy gone. Yeah, um, I'm glad that you said the name of the interim head coach because I knew I was going to butcher it and I'm not even really going to try to say it now because I'll still butcher it. But um, the future in Montreal now, it like I mean, you said it. It's kind of murky right now because if this doesn't work out, then Bergevin's going to be next. I mean, you can't. You make all these big moves in free agency. They were well, the trade for Josh Anderson, and they signed the seven-year deal. You know that's you know the Tyler Toffoli move. You know these are big moves. And right now, season ends today. I, I had the standings up naturally. I closed it. Season ends today. Montreal makes the playoffs. They're currently sitting in fourth place um, in the North Division. They're nine five and four for twenty-two points, nine row wins. So, I mean, it's not like the wheels have completely fallen off yet. I mean, you lose two in a row to Ottawa, that's bad. I don't need to tell you that. That's just, you can't do that if you think you're going to be a top team. But they're only one point behind Winnipeg for third place, and they have three games in hand on Edmonton, who have four more points than them. So the season isn't exactly lost for them. I think this is kind of a, it's definitely a wake-up call for the guys on the team. Saying like, look, if you're underperforming, nobody's safe. And it starts with the head coach. And, you know, there's been GMs and owners who try to use the firing of the coach to kind of light a fire under the team. You see that in other sports. So that could also be part of it. But I was shocked to see a coach like Claude Julien just giving the axe like that. Yeah, for me, it was... it looks like the two biggest problems for me on the surface, and I haven't gotten to do a deep dive for Montreal really this year, and maybe that'll be an idea for next week's podcast is that I start reviewing some of these games. You have my blessing. You can do whatever you want. You just do it because I like your deep dives. <laughs> um, their special teams are – they look horrible, right? They had too much firepower to be ranked where they are in terms of like power play percentage. Um. I'm just having, trying to look here to make sure that I have this right. I think they were, yeah, I think they're 12th in the league, right? But you talk about Tyler Toffoli, uh, Shea Weber, you know, Brennan Gallagher, Suzuki, Kakanyemi. They have too much firepower to not be a top 10 power play unit. And also, like, their, their, their penalty killing has been also been really, really sluggish and just slow to react to everything. Now, for me, I... The Duchon thing is interesting because, like I said, the, the head coaching and you know, the head coaching experience. He coached in 2017 the World Junior Team where he got to coach guys like Anthony Sorelli and um, you know Dante Fabro and and Pierre Luc Dubois and Matt Barzell and he coached that Canadian team to the, to the silver medal at the World Juniors. Then they actually brought him back next year, which kind of surprised me. Which shows you what Hockey Canada thinks about him. And again, had a really had a really talented team. Got the coach like Cal McCarr, Carter Hart was on that team. Decent. Um, yep, Robert Thomas on that team, um, and and they ended up winning gold. So, but I've never Ducharme. When I looked at his resume, like he's never coached a team that didn't have like top end talent, right? Like when he coached juniors in Halifax, he played. He coached two guys, Nathan McKinnon, and eh, pretty decent, right? He's fine. Yeah. And Jonathan Drouin, and you can talk all you want about Jonathan Drouin's 
pro career, but his junior performance stats speak for themselves. There was a reason this guy was a top five pick. I'm I'm going to be very interested to see what type of changes he can make on the fly, right? Because I don't think this team is very good in transition. Their goal to carry price has been bad this year, right? There's just no other way yeah. to put it. He's got an under 900 safe percentage, which with that decor, that, should, that just flat out shouldn't happen. And there's talk of Jake Allen becoming the permanent number one for the rest of the year. So I'm going to be very interested to see what kind of tweaks he can make. Really, in the middle of the season, you, especially with this and the pra- lack of practice time you're going to get, there's no sweeping changes you're going to make. But this team has to get better in transition. This team has to get better in their own zone. And they have to be more disciplined and stop taking such stupid penalties. Yeah, and I mean, that comes from the coach. I mean, discipline take in any sport, any type of penalty, any type of you know fouling, whatever you want to call it, it starts with the coach. It starts with discipline. So think of Bergevin just thought it was time for a change try to spark the guys and you know who knows it might work or you know I've also seen it where it completely bounces the other way so we'll see with that just some I felt like out of nowhere news coming out of Montreal so we can leave it at that um now the next big news out of the week from the weekend was the two outdoor games that took place on beautiful, scenic Lake Tahoe. Before we go into what happened, that might have been the coolest outdoor rink I've ever seen. The setup was unbelievable. So cool. That being said, Lake Tahoe, the weather was un- it was going to be unpredictable. And you saw that they weren't exactly expecting the weather that they got. Because Lake Tahoe is 6,000 feet above, it's like 6,000 feet elevation or whatever, and it was sunny. So if that's going to happen, the ice conditions for the Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights, not great. I mean, did you see the ruts that dudes were skating in, though? Like, it was basically like, in hockey terms, that was basically like a pothole. Yeah, it's a miracle. Like having a rut that deep. It's a miracle nobody got hurt. Seeing it was like like I think Ray Ferraro tweeted it. Who Ray Ferraro is a very underrated Twitter account. He's like I'm watching them skate in a swimming pool. Like it was not good, and you saw what had to happen. They had to uh, postpone the game to fix the ice until later that night, midnight Eastern, which trying to grow the game, and then you have to do it midnight Eastern. Like and there's nothing they could do. Um, so Colorado wins. The first game, Nathan McKinnon, I don't know if you saw the video where Alex Petrangelo's going back on defense and they had a mic that he goes, oh boy, as Nathan McKinnon's going down and McKinnon just rips one. I mean, it was unbelievable. And then they had the second game, which they started, I believe it was um, 4 o'clock their time, uh, 4 o'clock West Coast time. Uh, the Bruins and the Flyers, Trent Frederick scored his first goal. I'm watching the highlight right now. Um where the Bruins, I believe Pasternak had a hat trick. Um, not looking so great for Carter Hart and Nett, but um, overall, I think the NHL did a great job avoiding disaster. And they I just, think they limited disaster. They yeah, limited it. Limited, limited is a better a better term. I think avoided that, disaster would have been not needing to like cancel that's or like true. postpone yeah. the game to yeah. the okay one nothing Nick okay, um, but. <laughs> But yeah, I think they did a great job at, um, what's the word, adjusting to the weather. I mean, it looked gorgeous there, just not exactly hockey weather. Um, and it was a lot of fun. They had Tariko and Eddie Olchek on the call. Tariko 
who's one of those guys, he's like Al Michaels to me, where he can call any sport and it's going to be just fine. Um, overall, I think a successful weekend. I think it the the talk of the weekend in sports was the NHL at Lake Tahoe. Yeah, for better I, or for I agree worse. With you said so. Like my my big three takeaways from that event were, like you said, one Mike Tirico needs to be the new Doc Emmer. He needs to have the game of the week He's every the week. Best. He's and the best. his feel for that game too is like way underrated for somebody who's probably really never even called it before this year. Um, two like. I love the scenery, but, like, there's even places in Canada, like, you know, I've showed you pictures of Banff before, yep. and, like, beautiful lakes, like, or the lake in, uh, or the riverway in, um, in Ottawa, where, like, you can do this, but even in, like, colder departments where you don't have to worry about, like, the ice melting beneath the surface, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's what I, they've done before. I mean, they had a game at the Big House in Michigan. They had a game... At Yankee Stadium, you know they had games yeah. at Fenway Park. You know, they've even done then, like this. I think you can still keep it outdoors and still have like that scenic thing like they had for like Tahoe, but like keep it in a better, <clears throat> more suited climate for the outdoor. Event, yeah, right. And three, like you said with Petrangelo, I need more players mic'd up all the time. Like that was so funny. <laughs> just, just the most like genuine reaction. Just seeing him coming down, streaking out, oh boy. Like, he knew exactly what was coming. He said, I have nothing for you. And what I loved at at that, too, like, they mic'd him, they recorded it, like, obviously when he got back to the bench, and he just looked at his D partner, and he was like, nothing we could have done there. Yeah, he's like, (laughs) it's just a genuine human reaction. They're just like, well, we'll get him next time, I guess. Like, he had nothing for him, and he knew it. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I think actually I read somewhere that the Boston Philadelphia game was one of the most televised games on NBC, or was the most televised televised games in the U.S. I can't remember, but um, and that ratings was like even cool. the ratings game. It wasn't even like an entertaining one. So I I love the outdoor thing. I love the fact that they're only like keeping it down to like one game a year. I don't really like the outdoor series because I feel like it's just like you're bringing in teams that are way less real relevant. And like not as good as matchups, where I felt like these two games were two prime matchups, and there were different matchups. Like they weren't like the Chicago and Pittsburgh teams that I feel like I see every year. Yeah. So all around, I mean, other than Mother Nature interfering, this was an absolute home run for for the NHL. I agree. Yeah, and the limiting disaster was the key. The limiting of what could have been a completely lost weekend. Um, just an excellent job by the NHL, and it was just, it was cool. Just like. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only idiot who thought they were going to be actually playing on Lake Tahoe, but I'm glad it wasn't that. Um, But anyway, so moving on from Lake Tahoe, we had a couple milestones this week. Um, The big one that I'm sure everybody heard about was uh, number 87 in Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby. He played his 1,000th game in the National Hockey League. Uh, <laughs> Did you see everyone mocking him in the stretches, like doing the same weird skate thing that he always does? Yeah, at like ice? The tying the skates at center ice, and they're all wearing number eighty-seven jerseys. Um, was the ceremony a little long? Sure, but think of the guy that the ceremony is for—a well-deserved uh, ceremony for Sid. You saw him kind of getting choked up as you know all the tributes started rolling in. Um, and then the he had two assists, you know, that's what he does. He scores points against the Islanders. That's pretty much all he does um, to me, right in my stupid face. And 
you know, three two win against the Islanders, and you know, congratulations to Sidney Crosby, another feather in his cap, another uh, another achievement he could put on his Hall of Fame plaque at the end of all this. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the for in terms of the length of the ceremony, I think. One, it's got to be awkward having one of those ceremonies with nobody in the arena, yeah. right? Like, you're just kind of looking around at your teammates the entire time. They're the only ones clapping, yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing, too, is where do you think Crosby ranks on the all-time play? Like, he's certainly a top-ten player all-time, but where do you think he ranks all-time when everything is done and he's finally done playing? I don't know what number to put him. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a comparison to another sport as to what he is. I think he's Tim Duncan. Nobody is going to say that Tim Duncan is the greatest player of all time. But everybody has Tim Duncan in their, like, anybody who's smart has Tim Duncan in their top ten. So I would put him in that, like, six, like seven to ten range when it's all said and done. The three cups, you know, the milestones, I don't need to go through them. Um, the sustained greatness, um, I have him there in that, like, 7 to 10 range. Yeah, I don't, I've always been back and forth on it, right? Like, the thing that Sid has, that, like, Mario kind of had, that Bobby Orr kind of had, is he had those, he has those moments, right? Where, like, yeah, his points will never stack up to somebody like Gretzky or, probably even Lemieux or, or how, but, like, you think about, like, what he's done on the Olympic stage, the game-winning goal in on the gold medal game. You know, you think about, like, I think his debut game, he had the shootout winner against Jose Theodore. Um, you know, the Stanley Cup, the hat-tricks in the playoffs and stuff like that. I think I would probably, I probably will put him, if he wins maybe another either MVP or like a Penn Lindsay award, I think I would probably put him at five. I really do. I think he's been that dominant of a player, right? And I think early on in his career, when we talk about dominance, it was always him versus Ovechkin for who was the best player, right? Right. And it, it, yeah, Ovechkin put up more points in his rookie year, but it was never really close in terms of individual awards. I mean, Ovechkin is probably the best goal scorer we'll ever see going down all time, and he's certainly a top-ten player too, but I would probably put Gretzky at one or at two, probably Mario at three and Hal at four on my Mount Rushmore. So, like, in terms of the hockey Mount Rushmore, I don't think Sid is going to be on that. I don't think I ever could justify that. But I really do think he's a top five player of all time. I mean, you make a very convincing argument. I don't think anybody can really say like, "Oh, what the hell do you know?" If you put Sidney Crosby as your fifth best player of all time, just it's it's that sustained greatness for me. It's the it's the winning. They're always competitive. Um, you're always having your top defensive line on him. Your top defensive pair is out on him every night. Like you said, the moments, the cups, the playoff game winners, the the golden goal in Vancouver. You know, there's a million, a million things where you could say that Sidney Crosby is a top five player of all time. And yeah. the ceremony was well deserved. And you know, two assists right in my stupid face said the where the Penguins <laughs> can beat the Islanders. So, um, congrats to Sid. We also had another 1,000 game played. Uh, Travis Zajac of the New Jersey Devils played his 1,000th game for the Devils. Um, all with the Devils. Um, 
less accolades than Sidney Crosby, but still... <laughs> tough uh, act to follow for I, Travis Ajax. Yeah, t- definitely a tough act to follow, but a well-deserved honor. I'm sure he got the, the silver stick for the thousandth game. Um, also, speaking of the Devils, um, might as well bring this up. Nico Heeshear was named the captain of the Devils. Almost forgot to bring that up. Um, you said it. I'm going to steal your line. That just means they weren't ready to put the C on Jack Hughes, so they gave it to Nico Heeshear. Um, I'm sure Hughes will end up with one of the A's. I'm positive of that. Um, so congratulations to Nico. I think he's the 12th captain in Devils history after Andy Green was traded to the Islanders last year. Wow, is that all they've had is 12? I think. Because the captains they've had, they're there for a long time. Yeah, that's true. Scott Stevens was there for like ever. Forever. NJ Devils captain. History. There it is. I I always wonder though, like, I don't know with most of these teams if they do it where the coach picks it or if it was voted on by the team. Did you see anything for that? Um... I think the coach picked it. Sometimes it's where I know when Anders Lee was named the captain, he was voted the captain. Or like I think Trotz and Lou went to every player, and they like everybody, a majority said Anders Lee. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's also it could be what the coach sees. It could be they go to the vets. Like, what do you guys think? Um, yeah. I feel like it's different per every situation. I mean, Nico was the number one pick in 2017. I mean. They signed him to the long-term deal. He's not going anywhere. And I think that, I mean, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes in terms of the leadership. So, you know, who knows? But I think it's a well-deserved honor. And I think he, you know, they made the right choice. Probably the first ever Swiss-born captain if I had to be a betting person. Well, no, actually, I take that back. Roman Yossi is captain. So he's the second captain probably ever of Swiss descent to be uh, given the seat. Where's Zetterberg from? Sweden. Oh, Swiss. Sorry. Yeah, Swiss, not Sweden. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, all right, so Nico Heeshier. Uh, moving on from that. Um, Nick, the Blackhawks are good. I'm going to say it. The Blackhawks are, are good. Well, I mean, last time we said this, we thought, we, we, thought that the, we thought the Habs were good. And, I mean, that wasn't anything... <laughs> I just there's something about them the way the, the young guys coming into their own Patrick Kane nine goals 21 assists in 20 games he had four points last night that guy just, four, yeah, just, I did but oh. you could stick anybody on that dude's wing and he's putting up 50 60 points believe me you I heard about it and I saw it <laughs> um he leads them in points goals and assists Alex DeBrinkett a nice bounce back year for him. He's got 19 points. Dominic Kubalik has 16 points. I mean, these guys, they have these, and these guys you, you like, you never heard of are playing well. Pius Suter, you ever hear of him? He's got 11 points. Um, they they got Nikita Zadorov is playing well. Duncan Keats, seven assists. I mean, they got Carl Soderberg for nothing. He's got seven points. I mean, it's it's coming along here. I think Calvin DeHaan is having like he's finally getting some notice as being like a very good NHL defenseman. Nick, they even are getting goaltending play from Yeah. Uh, this this Lankinen? Lance yeah, Lankinen. Eight and three. He's got a two five nine goals against and a safe percentage of ninety two percent. 
Malcolm Subban, who we gave a lot of garbage to going into this year, a 2.65 goals against and a 91% save percentage. For a backup goalie, thank you. I'll take that and I will run with it. So the Chicago Blackhawks, are they winning the Stanley Cup? Of course not. Are they going to make it out of the first round of the playoffs? Are they even going to make the playoffs? Who knows? But, damn it, Nick, the Blackhawks are good. Yeah, I mean, what are the full standings in that division? Because that's Tampa's division, that's Carolina in that division. That's that's Florida is in first with 26 points. Uh, Carolina is in second with 25 points. Chicago Blackhawks, they have three more games played, uh, 24 points. And I well, think the good, Blackhawks good to see, play Good to see Detroit is still bad for 5-13-3. Oh, Man, those poor Red Wing fans. Horrendous. I don't feel bad for them. They were good for 30 years. I don't feel bad for them. And somehow Dallas has still only played 13 games. Yeah, COVID. Um, but, I mean, I think in this division with how poorly Nashville has played, even though they've only played 13 games and how poorly Dallas has been. Detroit stinks. We know this. Um, Tampa Bay hasn't really gotten out of the blocks yet fully. I mean, the playoffs are right there for the Hawks for the taking. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm still not sold on this division. I mean, from top to bottom, there's a lot of, uh, you know, like you, and it's just, I'm not ready to call the Blackhawks good. I think they're better than a lot of these bad teams. But, I mean, maybe. I mean, we saw what they did in the bubble last year when they had to take on Edmonton. They basically basically shut down, I mean, the two best offensive players in this league. Wiped the floor with them. So Don't put it lightly. They wiped the floor with Edmonton. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, I mean... We'll see how this keeps going. Like we always say, it's a week to week thing right now with this, with these leagues, with these divisions and, and these matchups. But I still expect Lightning to be there, become the cream, become become the best team in this division. Um, Carolina's playing well; they're just not quite getting consistent goaltending. But That's I don't know. I mean, I want to see these teams play each other more. Like I want to see the Panthers and the Hurricanes play each other because that'll give me a real good like high test to see who, what these teams like, what their strengths and weaknesses are. I've watched a little bit of the Panthers with my. You know, NHL center ice. Um, I've watched a little bit of them. If you wanted to give Jonathan Huberdeau and Alexander Barkov, like, co-heart trophies, I'd be fine with it. Those guys are... Yeah, he's having a monster year. Those guys are playing at such a high level. uh, Sorry, Jonathan Huberdeau has 23 points. Barkov is right behind him with 19. Uh, Played in every game. um, Blogging big minutes. These guys are, they're the straw that stirs the drink. Um, Patrick Hornquist, a little bit of a bounce back here, 15 points. And do, I mean, do I dare say it? Do I dare? Decent goaltending. This Chris Dreger, Dreger, Dreger? Dreger, yeah. Dreger. Dreger. 7-1-1, a 2.20, and a 90, almost a 93 uh, save percentage. Sergei Bobrovsky, not as good. Um, but, but look, it, it's a sunk cost, and it's going to be a sunk cost for the next X amount of years. Um, but Chris Dreger is playing very well in net, and the goaltending is what's propelled them to the best record in that division. And 
Is it sustainable? Who knows? But for right now, they're racking up points. And yeah, in a season like this, have you got a real hard decision after this year because Drieger is a free agent, right? And you have Abrowski with his contract, which I just every time I think about it, I just laugh now. Yeah, and then you have Spencer Knight coming through the pipeline, right? Like, what do you do with this team, or what? Like with that position at least. I don't know. I mean, is if Drieger continues to have a season like this, the way and we maybe he will, maybe he won't. He's played very well for. I think nine or ten games. Um, you got Who knows what? How much money he's going to want in a flat cap era? You already have a sunk ten million dollars, eight percent of your cap, just about. So, Yikes. do you want to pay him? You know, more than two million, three million dollars? No, because you can't. You got to have another. You got to field. You know, put a team on the ice. So. I don't know. It's a, it's a big. It's going to be a bunch of you know cost cutting moves. I'm sure if they want to keep him, but we'll let me see. I'm pulling up cap friendly because why wouldn't I? Uh, cap friendly rules our weekly plug of cap friendly. <laughs> Let's see where the Panthers are. Panthers somehow have cap space. Um, come on, load. I'm trying to do a podcast here. Can you friggin' load? I mean, the, all right. I have it right here. So they yeah, have three and a half, three, three and a half million. Looks like. Yeah. Um, UFAs are Alex Wenberg, Duclair is an RFA, Vinny Hinestroza, um, Yuho Lamico was a restricted free agent. Um, that's really it. Uyghurs got three more years. Strawman's got two. Yandel has three. Ekblad has five. Um. It's it, there's not a lot of real room and a lot of guys to get rid of. Um, yeah, this and like he's they UFA. Have cap, they have like nobody making a ton of money. Like obviously besides Bobrovsky, like I mean I guess Ekblad and Yandel probably make more than what they're looking for. But up front, especially like it's a really weirdly built team. Like they have so many guys making between making around the four to five between four and six million dollars. Yeah, and they have the two biggest bargains in the league with Barkov and Huberdo. I mean, yeah, it's like unfair. Barkov's making; they're both making five point nine mil, and Barkov's got two more years, and he's still only twenty five somehow. And Huberdo has three more years, and he's twenty seven. Like it's it's boy, do they need the economy to come back so that cap goes up? Yeah, no, no state tax though. Shout out Florida. It's like a whatever. I'm gonna leave Florida out of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, they still ain't gonna play for free. <laughs> Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, it's if you can move some of the guys that don't make as much, like like a Marcus Nudavara or like like I mean, Hinistros, I'm sure they're gonna let go. Um, Duclair, who knows if he's gonna be back? But I think you keep Dreger just by the way he's been playing. This is a lot of praise that I'm giving the Florida Panthers here. Um, wow, this is very unlike you. I this is inc- I, I don't know how I could. You dragged them through the through the bubble last year. How could I not? They were awful. <laughs> the Islanders made them look like they were standing still. Um, anywho, uh, the Florida Panthers, it's, it's, the eye test is there. And with those two studs they got up front, I mean, those two guys could be the two best players in every game they play. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if Huberto keeps this up, he's going to be in the hard trophy conversation. Yeah, hundred percent. I completely agree. I'm all it's for gonna be that. T- 
it's going to be tough because so much of the media is obsessed with Drysaddle and McDavid, right? And the and now Matthews, and especially Matthews, with the point yeah. story that he's putting up. But yeah, they definitely deserve it. Like if Huberto and Barkov are putting up these numbers in Montreal right now, like you'd already be talking about them being on like the next cover of NHL. I was, I was about to say that. I'd be like, you'd, they'd be on the video game. Like I was about to say that. We're in sync. Nice. Um, okay, so that's enough positive vibes for the Florida Panthers, even though they deserve it. Um, so, speaking of Austin Matthews, I think his 16, it was 16 game point streak just came to an end. Um, Unless he, it's still going. Am I crazy? I thought I saw a post there that said that it was, that it was still on. I can't even remember though. I don't know, but I think right now season ends today. He's your Hart Trophy winner, and I don't think it's close. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, him and him and McDavid right now are just like they look like they're playing Bantam hockey. Like everything is just so easy for them, and it's just like oh, curl, drag up, snipe, top corner, and up, oh, curl, drag up, oh, <laughs> dish over to this guy, and oh, he snipes it top corner. Like it's just, uh, I I underestimated like how good and probably it was because I knew Toronto was going to draft him how good Austin Matthews was going to be and I mean <clears throat> not only is this guy like now the face of USA hockey but the way like his game has become so complete now like he's even said it beforehand like I made it a point to be more physical in my game and I think he was like third in the league through like the first like three weeks of the season and now he's and now he's talking about like how he still wants to fine tune his game and be better on faceoffs and be better situationally and you know become a, a full two hundred foot player, which I think he could be if he really wanted to. It's I mean credit to this kid, man, for just like never settling, especially in that market where they're going to be on you all the time and and you're the face of the franchise and you're always going to be asked the hard questions and the, uh, everybody's eyes are always going to be on you. And I think he's handled this like with absolute grace. Yeah, the only the best way possible that he could handle it. He, he's maturing. You could see it. He was kind of like a punk when he came into the league. You know, he had the problems in Arizona with the female security guard. You know, he's he's growing up, and it's good to see because, like you said, he right now is the face of USA Hockey. If not him, it's Patrick Kane. But it's it's one of him or Kane. So, um, yeah, he's my Hart Trophy winner. Season ends today. Um, Nick, anything? I mean, I kind of, I kind of drove this line this week. Um, any topics that you want to bring up? Um, just to mention real quick, you know, because you forgot another milestone that happened this week. Dustin Brown played in his twelve hundredth game. I did, and I even brought that up to you that I was going to bring Jeez. it up, and then I forgot. The Ithaca boy uh, having a real good bounce back here. I mean, we were we were talking about how in this Western Division, like we thought all these teams were going to be terrible, but. It's kind of like the top three with St. Louis and Vegas and Colorado, and then like everybody else is within three or four points of that last playoff spot. And Dustin Brown has been really driving, driving the, driving the train, driving the bus, driving the bus, flying the plane, driving the SUV, whatever you want to call it. He's leading the team with ten goals. Andre Kopitar, twenty-one points in seventeen games, seventeen assists. For Andre Kopitar, uh, Dustin Brown, he scored two goals, including a v- just like a filthy goal of coming from like a tough angle, and he came out in front. And he stick handled twice. It was beautiful. Um, let's talk about the Kings for a minute. The Kings might actually be really good. 
Well, yeah, I, maybe not really good, but they're definitely like good. They're good. I will say this. Um, you know, I watched part of their game the other night against uh, against I think it was St. Louis. Yeah, it had to be St. Louis, and they have more guys with that, with more speed than what I realized. Right? Like we talked in the year, like Andreas Anthony was the only guy that I really saw on the roster where I was like, yeah, that's pretty much their only like speed guy, but. Um, you know, Ole Mata's played real well. Um, Michael Anderson, who is a defenseman and playing top minutes with alongside Drew Dowdy, shows you what they think of this dude. Yeah. He is really opened my eyes. You know, he's not an overly big dude and he's only 21 years old, but I was like, I had to Google this dude's stats to figure out where the hell he came from. And he's one of those, just like those fourth round picks really got kind of probably just took a risk on him because they saw one or two things that they really liked. And then they said, and they just kind of let this guy develop. And he's done a great job of kind of just taking every opportunity the Kings have been given him. Yeah, they the young guys are starting to, you know, starting to make their way. I see, you know, Kaliev has only played one game, Arthur Kaliev. You know, he's one of the, you know. The, the already party. The already party. One of the big, big pieces on the USA World Junior team. Um you know, there's some pieces that are kind of, you know, Quentin Byfield is just just waiting in the wings. And how nice is it to have him just sitting there, just wait, just marinating, just waiting to get up there. Um, you know, they have a lot of guys, a lot of young guys here. Adrian Kempe is only 24. You know, Austin Wagner's 23. Blake Lazat, 23. You know, Alex Turcott, who was their fifth overall pick last year. I forgot. Like he, forgot Alex he, Turcott. Um, <laughs> you know, Oli, not Oli, oh, he's still only 26. But, you know, Michael Anderson, 21, like you said. Uh, Tobias Bjornfot is 19. Bjornfit, Bjornfot. Um, and they're getting, you know, decent goaltending. You know, Jonathan Quick's been fine. Cal Peterson, statistics-wise, has been better, um, and things are kind of things are kind of looking up. You know, I didn't really think that from the Kings. I mean, I had them in the basement of this division with Anaheim. So they have a ton of picks coming up. They have they have the St. Louis second rounder. They have Toronto's third rounder and Calgary's fourth in this upcoming draft. So if they want to make a move, they they have assets. They have nine million dollars worth of cap space, which I don't know how that's possible. And, and with, <laughs> these, with these contracts. What's sad is that might actually be like the most in the league. <laughs> yeah, it, it's near the top. Um, and yeah, they have the third most cap space behind Detroit and New Jersey. Oh, um, yeah, Detroit. Yeah, so they're, they're in position here where they, they have a lot of options. If, if the bottom falls out and it turns out you know they're not as good as we think, you know, fine. You just stay the course, you know, play the young guys, whatever. See what you got. But say these guys get hot. All of a sudden, Jonathan Quick remembers who he is. He gets, you know, gets on a heater a little bit. You know, Kopitar keeps putting up points. Dustin Brown keeps scoring. You know, these, these veterans might have one last run in them. You know, these are, don't. I don't think you forgot. I don't think anybody forgot. These guys won two cups in three years. These guys have the pedigree to turn it on and see if they can make one last run. And if they want to reload, there's some guys that are going to be available. Like a Kyle Palmieri, a guy who can you know solidify your middle six, you know just to name one guy off the top of my head. But there's guys like that who are going to be available. I mean, Taylor Hall because it could easily be available. Future Islander Taylor too. Hall. <laughs> Taylor Hall's been a Future Islander like six times. Um, <laughs> uh, it, 
there's guys available. And I mean, hey, Taylor Hall fits in that $9 million worth the cap space. Wink, wink. Um, so who knows? But the Kings, there's it. one of the more interesting teams and interesting stories so far of the year. Yeah, and I, I, really good, too, for uh, for Todd McCullen. I feel like he got way too much heat thrown on him for the way that things kind of fizzled out in Edmonton. You know, he was the guy that said, hey, we don't defend well enough. We don't defend well enough. And then he got canned, and then it was like, well, Edmonton still doesn't really defend well enough. And then Tom McClellan's like, yeah, I know. Like, I told you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't just making that up. You guys like, canned me. Like, they throw him out of the room. He comes out. I just said that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, good for him. I think this is the type of team that he wants to lead. I mean, a lot of good skating power on these guys. There's still some contracts I don't know how they're going to work out. But, yeah. I mean, maybe it's something where they can swap draft Carter for, for assets and, and – you know, I know they're going to want to probably keep on to Dowdy and Kopitar, but maybe even Brown too next year. But who knows? Like you said, I mean, it's it, the league is more fun when big market teams are good, and the LA especially is one of those teams because I love watching Anze Kopitar play. Yeah, he's it's just so awesome. Like that's the best way I can describe. Just he's so good at everything. Um, he's still somehow only thirty three, and he's just so good, so damn good. The Los Angeles Kings. I think that's the first time we talked about them this entire season. Okay, so let's wrap this puppy up. We're getting to near the end of end of the road here. Um, Forty-one minutes. Nick, do you have a geek stat of the week? I do, and of course, I close out my browser. So hold on. Oh, God. This is. I'll. I'll start off by saying I don't know if you're going to like this one as much as the last two weeks. Try me. The stupider, the better. Okay. Chunk Terry Edge took a holding penalty. Selkie, my ass. Okay, so you know how we have Corsi, right? Sure. Of course we do. Uh, Corsi calculates your shots, plus your shots that get blocked, plus your shots that misses the net. Right. I found a new stat that I like slightly better. It's okay. called Fenwick. Fenwick. <laughs> yep. And Fenwick is just your shots on goal plus your shots that miss the net. So it's like shot attempts. Yeah. So why does, it, why does it have to be called Fenwick? <laughs> what? Why does it have to be called Fenwick? <laughs> because apparently the guy decided that if I take block shots out of this, I have a brand new stat that I can name after myself. That's this just, one actually has like recognizable names at the top of the list. That's though, just subtraction. That. What? That's just subtraction. Well, <laughs> listen. You asked me to do this stat every week. This, this what? I guess you're right. All right, <laughs> give me give me the top ten. All right. Do you want me to start at number ten or number one? Uh, start at number ten. All right. So number ten, Tyson Berry. Okay, makes sense. Makes number a lot nine, of sense actually. Tyler Myers. Okay. Number eight, Quinn Hughes. Okay. A lot of defensemen Number seven, Alex Edler. Oh, boy. Number six, another Vancouver defenseman, Nate Schmidt. Man, they're just throwing the puck at the net up there, huh? (laughs) Number five, Thomas Shabbat. Okay. One of my favorite players in the league, by the way. I don't know why he's not the captain. Best names in the league. I don't know why he's not the captain. Everybody laughs in my house that his name is Shabbat because... 
Shabbat is the Sabbath in Hebrew. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so my dad will be like, Shabbat? But yeah. He's the holy one. He is. That's why I like him. And he's just also a great player. I don't know why he's not the captain. Uh, number four, Nikita Zaitsev. Oh, Leafs couldn't wait to get rid of him. <laughs> and number three, Roman Yossi. Okay. Which this kind of made sense because I was like, this guy's probably just doing everything in his holy power for this team to be somewhat competitive. He's like, somebody <laughs> tip that. Please. <laughs> Matt Duchesne, put the guitar down. <laughs> Number two, Connor McDavid. <laughs> oh, wow. Shocking. And number one. Let me take a guess. Shea Weber. No. It is a defenseman, though. All right, I'm going to try two more times. Tory Krug. No. It's in the North Division. Don't give it away. Morgan Riley. No. Who Darnell is, Nurse. I would, would never have picked Darnell Nurse. I was shocked at that, too. That's why I kind of thought the stat was sort of funny. Like, you have all these, like, superstar players, and it's like, Darnell Nurse. Who's good? <laughs> I would he trade him for Crosby. He leads the league in 330 Fenwick 4. <laughs> oh, it's Fenwick 4. Okay. Yep. All right. Connor so. McDavid is in second with 296 Fenwick 4. Jeez, that is a lot. Well, it makes sense that two guys on Edmonton are in, at the top because they don't care about defense. So that makes a lot of sense. Yep. And that's that's kind of why, you know, I I was I laughed that, like, there's four Vancouver defensemen all in a row here. And I was like, I guess that kind of makes sense after watching that deep dive because they don't really care about defending very they, much. Yeah, they don't care. It, no, that makes perfect sense. Like, Shea Weber cares about defense. So, like, of course it wouldn't be him. <laughs> like, and Morgan Riley, like, kind of cares, I think. Yeah. Like, sort of. What's also funny, too, is Darnell Nurse leads the league in Fenwick 4. And against. And, and Fenwick against. That That is, like, the most – I believe that. I fully believe that. <laughs> um, okay, so we had Oish – what did we have last week? Uh, what did we have? I don't remember. Uh, I can't remember. Okay. And we had Fenwick 4 this week. Um, do you have Fenwick against up? Yeah, I do right here. Let's hear it. Give me top 10 in Fenwick. I'm assuming that's shots against them. Yep. It's shots against shots that either miss the net or go on net. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that Nick Letty or Scott Mayfield is going to be on here. But go ahead. Uh, there are no Islanders in this. Thank God. All right, go ahead. So, uh, as you can expect, there's a lot. This is mostly done by defensemen because defensemen, obviously, your forwards are shooting the puck, and that's how they consider it your matchup. So, Nate Schmidt is number 10. Okay. Patrick Kane is number 9. Ooh. Quinn Hughes is number 8. Nikita Zaitsev is seven. Okay. Ottawa. Makes sense. Brett Burns. Oof. At six. I love that this still has his position as D slash right wing. Well, I mean, in a pinch. Move him right <laughs> up. Um, Duncan Keith at number five. Oh, that sucks. That's disappointing. Tyson Berry at number four. Edmonton, sure. Seth Jones at number three. And number two is Tyler Myers. And then number one, like I said, is Darnell Nurse. Okay. Boy. 
What do they got like five more years of Tyler Myers up there? Yep, something like that. All right, so we had Fenwick for and against. We double dipped on the (laughs) geek stats over the week. Nick, I'm just about finished. Um, Anything else you want to add? Anything else you want to end with? Um, What do you got? Um, Nothing for me. I mean, just keep following along, guys. I'm sure there's going to be more craziness. I'm waiting to see who the next coach to be fired is now that the first domino has fallen because now I think this is going to get all the other GMs in the league probably start spinning and asking questions. David Poilich, probably fired John Hines, just saying. That's coming. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. Well, hold your breath because it shouldn't take too long. Um, all right, guys. So this has been another fun edition of the Top Pair Podcast. Remember, tweet at us. You know, Tweet at me. Tweet at Nick. You know, we're going to keep the, the accounts ro- rocking and rolling. I know I didn't post on the Instagram this week because I forgot to. So I am sorry about that. But I will, repeat will, post this week. Guys, have a great night. I'm Eric. He's Nick. We are your top pair. We'll see you later.